Sports 56 mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Diamonds are forever! Woo! Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back. It is hour number two, Sports 56 mornings, 8.02 here on this Friday morning, Groundhog Day. Good pucks at Tawny Field did not see his shadow. Did not. So early spring. And today is going to feel like spring because it's supposed to get up into the mid-60s. Not a whole lot of sun, lots of clouds, but warm temperatures. And as it will continue to warm up throughout the day up into those, uh, again, 67, 68 they're talking about now. It's, still only, it's only 41 right now. So it's a little weird when you leave the house in the morning trying to figure out how it, like, wait a second, it's, it's like 30-something now, but it's going to be 60-something later. It gets a little confusing. But uh, it is supposed to warm up. Get tomorrow's supposed to be pretty warm once again. Maybe a little bit of sunshine. Slight chance of rain tomorrow. And then Sunday, rain comes in and it cools the back down, down into the low 50s, upper 40s type stuff. But then next week, I think it is supposed to be nice again and start warming up a, a little bit once again. Welcome in here in the Family Leisure Studios, where family and fun come together. That is Family Leisure with their floor model sale going on right now at 2120 Witten Road. Coming up, uh, we will have Matt Dillon in our uh, in about 20 minutes or so, a little over 20 minutes. Matt Dillon for the Tiger Basketball Report as we'll get more into the Tigers. Everybody knows about what's going on with the four-game losing streak. Wichita State will be here tomorrow. That's the one team in conference play that the Tigers have actually handled pretty easily. They did that in Wichita. See if they're able to do that tomorrow here at home and end that losing streak. The Grizzlies losers last night to Cleveland, the game which they battled, led for a lot of the game, but could not hold on in the end. Cleveland gets the win 108 to 101. Grizzlies back in action tonight. Golden State in town. Uh, the Grizzlies uh, will try and get another win. Of course, they already had that win against Golden State on uh, Martin Luther King Day. See if they can make it two wins here at home over the Warriors. And off the court yesterday, the Grizzlies making news as they, uh, and not signing a guy to a 10-day contract. That's not the news. They actually made a trade, uh, trading Steven Adams to the Houston Rockets for Victor Oladipo, really for Victor Oladipo's contract, um, and three second-round draft picks. And Ron texts in, on the Sports 56 listener line, if you want to chime in, you always can. 901-360-8255. 901-360-8255. That is the Sports 56 listener line, which you can call or text. And we do have an open segment here. If you would like to uh, to get a phone call in, you're more than welcome to do so or text in. Uh, you can do that. So, so the Grizzlies traded Adams for another guard. No. They traded Adams for cap space. Yeah. That's it. Like just, li- just li- for the contract. Literally that is it. They they traded Steven Adams for money off the books for next year and for some draft capital with the sec- with the second round picks. Victor Oladipo not going to play here. Uh Bay- it, Vic- Steven Adams had next year at 12 and a half is 12 and a half million for Steve next yes. year. Yes. 12 and a half million dollars next year on his contract. Victor Oladipo does not. His is an expiring deal. Again, the Grizzlies have way too much money committed for next year already. But when you consider the fact that you've got Ja and Dez on max contracts, Jaron's deal is great. Like It is a great deal for what he is and what you're paying him. But it's still, was it $25 million next year? 25 and then 23 Yeah. To end that contract. And then you got Marcus Smart at 
what, 20 million, I believe? Right around the 20 million mark? He's at 18 right now. He got 19 next season and then 21 the last one. So you're, I mean, those four guys are what? 100 something next year? What's Jaws next year and Desmond next year? Uh, Jaws next year is 36. And Dez will be the start of his max deal at uh, 34. Yeah, so 36, so that's 70. You add in Jaron at 25, that's 95. And then Marcus Smart at 19. So you're talking $114 million between those four guys. Like, and again, if you pick up Luke Kennard, if Luke Kennard is still here and you pick up his option, that's another $14 million right there. So now you're you're getting up close to 130 million dollars on five guys. And don't forget about Brandon Clark. Yeah, and then Brandon Clark. Yeah, what's his? Uh, 12.5. So yeah. So that's the thing. Like that. Like they just. Yeah, they had with Stephen Adams for next year before adding their first round pick. They were at like 180 something million dollars. So they had to get off some money. They got off Steven Adams. We'll see what else they're able to get off there. I mean, they're not done. I don't think as far as wanting to clear, you know, get what do they do with Kennard? Would they trade him now before the deadline next week? Do they trade him in the offseason? I don't think they would just decline the team option. I don't think that's, I don't see any way that would happen. That would be dumb. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if they get out of that $14 million one way or another. Um, I wouldn't be surprised a lot of teams – I'm, I'm more than sure a lot of teams have called about Luke. Yeah, he's, he's the one guy – that's why I brought him up a couple weeks ago. Like, he's the one guy on this team that teams would actually call you and say, hey, could we get Luke Kennard? Right. Like, there's nobody else that the, the other team is calling you basically going, hey, how could we get this guy? The other, All the other guys are the Grizzlies talking to teams going, hey, would you take this guy off our hands basically? We need to clear up some roster space. We need cap space. Like, right. would you take a Jake Laravia? What would we have to give you to take Jake Laravia? You know, like I, I wouldn't be shocked if there was a team or two who might think, listen, Zaire's twenty, what twenty one years old. If we had to give up nothing to get him to take a look at him, maybe a change of scenery, and we could unlock something in him. There might be a team or two out there that would be, again, you're not getting anything in return. They would not be willing to give up anything to get him. But I could see a team who would be like, you know what? A kid who's still that young, maybe we could unlock something in him. And I know, um, was it Bobby Marks or ESPN? Mm-hmm. He had an article out about um, different avenues the Grizzlies could go about tr- with trades or anything with the back end of the roster. I know... The biggest one that he put out there was John Conchar mm-hmm. to the to the Celtics for like a protected first. Yeah, that's like, I mean Conchar, while the contract goes is long because it goes on for what three more years. Um, yeah. It's only like six million dollars. Like that again is very affordable in today's NBA. Um, and he's a guy who could come in and you put him down on your bench, and when he comes into games, he generally doesn't hurt you. Like you can put him in a game and feel like he's not going to, because he's not going to go out there and take 12 shots and shoot you out. of He's just going to, he'll get some rebounds. He'll block some shots. He'll, he'll score what he can. Like, so certainly I think Conchar is the other most tradable guy, probably as far as 
you would you don't have to basically give up a bunch of other stuff to make a team take him off your hands. You could just they would again you're not going to get a ton in return for him, but you can get a team to take him. But again, we'll see uh, what happens as far as that is concerned as the deadline approaches. But yes, the Grizzlies do make the move with Stephen Adams yesterday. Now with Victor Oladipo, most likely they waive him. Um, I guess there is still the possibility of trading his contract again somewhere. But they wanted the expiring contract, so I don't, you know, I don't know for sure. I don't see why uh, there would be a trade in the works with him. It seems like it would mostly just be them getting waived. All Star Reserve name yesterday, last night. In the East, Bam Adebayo, Paolo Bancaro, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Maxey, Donovan Mitchell, Julius Randle. It's interesting because they name all those, and then Brunson got 40 last night. Maxey got 51, I think it was. Yes, 51. Donovan Mitchell had a good game here. So, like, these guys all are like, hey, you're going to go out and prove why we are all-star reserves. In the West, Devin Booker. Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Carl Anthony Towns. Obviously, these guys are all great players, having great seasons. I, I'm not saying really there's anybody here that doesn't deserve to be an all-star. However, it blows my mind, quite frankly, that Demonis Sabonis was not named an all-star. He's averaging 20 points, leading the league in rebounds at 13 a game, and eight assists per game. He's close to averaging a triple-double as a center. And this team is good. Like, for the Kings not to get either him or De'Aaron Fox on the team is crazy to me. And I would take someone. To me, I... Sabonis should be on there ahead of Carl Anthony Towns. Like, Minnesota doesn't need two guys on there. And for the Kings to get nobody is crazy. With the seat, De'Aaron Fox is averaging 27 points, five and a half assists, and four rebounds. Trey Young in the East. Well, I'm not a huge Trey Young fan. He's averaging 27 points and 10 assists. And not an all-star. And again, he'll he's probably going to get on the team because you've got Julius Randle and Joel Embiid, who will both be replaced. Randle for sure. Embiid, I would assume, is not going to try and play in the all-star game. Embiid, by the way, they it is a meniscus injury in that left knee. They didn't say it's a tear. They don't, and he's out for the weekend. They're still trying to figure out treatment-wise treatment wise, what they want to do um, and what might work. But it's, like I said yesterday, it's pretty much a guarantee now that Joel Embiid is not going to be able to be MVP, All-NBA, because he only has four games to miss. Do they, only, do they play once or twice this weekend? Talking about the Sixers? Yeah. Because uh, he's out for the weekend, they said. So if he misses two more games this weekend, then certainly then he'd be down. He only could miss two the rest of the way. That certainly he's going to miss more than that. He, yeah, so they got one game tomorrow against Brooklyn. Okay. 
So he'll, by the end of the weekend, again, they don't even know what they're going to do to treat this thing yet, but he'll only be able to miss three more games to be able to qualify. Yes, and so after that Saturday game against Brooklyn, they got the Mavericks, they got the Warriors, and got the Hawks at home. I would assume he will miss at least the next four games. I mean, like, if they don't even know how they're going to try and treat this thing, like he, he ain't going to be healthy for a while. I would be, I wouldn't be, I would be surprised if we see him before the All Star break again. So he will be out of all these awards and everything else, which is terrible news for Philadelphia. But again, they do get a win last night as Maxi goes for fifty one. How about the Lakers last night? No Anthony Davis, no LeBron James playing at Boston, and the Lakers win. Of course they did. Like if, 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 like the NBA is a is a weird weird world that we it, like that's again you try and bet on the NBA good luck to you again at Boston and Boston has Tatum and they've got Brown and they got Porzingis and they got like, Boston's healthy at home Lakers no Davis no LeBron Austin Reeves goes for thirty two and they win at Boston the Lakers started lineup starting at the lineup of. Torian Prince, Jared Vanderbilt, Jackson Hayes, D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves. And they beat the Boston Celtics in Boston. You go figure it out. Knicks, I mentioned Jalen Brunson goes for 40. They win over Indiana. Nine straight wins now for the Knicks. 15-2 and two in their last 17 games. So they are, uh, they are cruising right now. And Brunson... You know, we're talking about MVPs. Like, Jalen Brunson is a legit MVP candidate, especially if the Knicks keep rolling like this. He's one of those guys. Again, because you're going to eliminate Embiid because the game's missed. You start looking around. Jalen Brunson. Another guy we didn't mention the other day, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yeah, I was going to bring him up. I mean, because Oklahoma City is having a great year, and he's unbelievable. So he would, you know, Brunson, SGA, Luca. As far as guards go, they would probably be your three top guards. As far as MVP possibilities go, but Jalen Brunson has been incredible. The Knicks again without Julius Randle, they're just rolling. Fifteen and two now. Their last seventeen, and they've won nine straight. Uh, the 76ers, by the way, were fined $75,000. New Orleans was fined $25,000 for violating the injury reporting rules. 76ers got hit for that game, was it last Saturday against Denver, when at the last second, all of a sudden, Joel Embiid was out? Yeah. And so they got hit for that, and they have been hit in the past. So that's why theirs is $75,000. New Orleans didn't put Trey Murphy the third on an injury report but he should have been. So they got hit with a $25,000 fine. Um, is there like a deadline to, to the injury report, or is it just up to the minute right before the tip-off? I don't know what exactly their rules are, but I, I, I know the league doesn't like what happened with Joel Embiid where suddenly a star player like that, because again, it wasn't like he suffered the injury in pregame warm-ups. Like suddenly before the game, you say he's out when he wasn't even on the injury report. And it wasn't like he got hurt. That, that knee injury is something he had had. And so that's, and if that was an ABC game too. Like that's not going to make the league very happy. <laughs> like that's like, that's when, that's when Adam Silver gets really uh, mad when you're supposed to have Joel Embiid versus Nikola Jokic on NB, or on ABC. And suddenly Joel Embiid right before the game, they say, oh yeah, by the way, he's not playing. 
that doesn't make Adam Silver very happy. He's like the Godfather. It's like you owe me money. <laughs> yes, you yes. owe me money. That you is uh, that is they don't take kindly to, no. to that stuff. <laughs> uh, in NFL news, Dan Quinn will go to the Commanders. You're a Cowboys fan like myself. What do you what do you feel about losing Dan Quinn? So I appreciate everything that Dan has done coming in here because because people people forget like he was he he followed up Mike Nolan mm-hmm. for that one season in Dallas and I appreciate like I said I I appreciate everything he did he he made the defense opportunistic at times like historically opportunistic at times but. For like the second, third straight year, like it's this, it's the same issue. It's running like they're just getting gashed on the ground every time. Every time in the playoffs, you're facing a really good running team, and they just can't stop the run for some strange reason. Now I'm glad that he got an opportunity to, head, to be a head coach. Now I will say that because I, I I'm not here just to. Say, oh, fire this guy so he get hired to be a head coach. Even though, even though I was on that Kellen Moore train to get him to head coach, head coaching job. But I think, I think it was just time. Yeah. It was time. I'm, I'm with you. Like I, I think Dan Quinn did a great job. Like he, he certainly made the, the from what the defense was before he got there to where it is now. But yeah, it's like they have these epically bad performances against teams when they start running the ball against them, and it's happened in the playoffs. Again, the, the last thing he did as the as DC was not the last game was not a memorable one. That's for it. We'll remember it, but it was not memorable. Um, so, but yeah, I'm I'm happy for him. That it, there is talk that the Cowboys may look at bringing in Ron Rivera as his replacement. So it could end up being a trade, Dan Quinn for Ron Rivera. It is interesting that he goes into the NFC East to the Commanders, where now you know he certainly knows the Cowboys' offense. Um, so we'll see what he's able to do against the Cowboys offense working with the commanders. There's talk that he might bring Chip Kelly to Washington as his offensive coordinator, which would open up the UCLA head coaching job. We just had the Boston College coach leave to go be a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Now there's the talk. Chip Kelly was supposedly interviewed with the Raiders, although they're going to go with Cliff Kingsbury, it looks like. So Cliff Kingsbury will be Antonio Pierce's offensive coordinator. But there's a talk that Chip Kelly could end up with Dan Quinn in Washington, which, again, would open up the UCLA head coaching job at the college level. You know, there's talk. You know, I know Trey, Trayvon Diggs came out. He wanted um, Al Harris Mm -hmm. to get. And I like Al Harris. I just don't know that with Jerry and all these comments about how they're all in for next season. I can't. I don't know that they're going to hire a defensive coordinator with no coordinator experience. If you're going all in, don't you feel like you have to hire a coordinator who's been a coordinator before? Ah, uh, yeah. So, even though I think those guys like Harris a lot, I would guess that you're probably going to get somebody with some experience um, now, in, in that job. Now, Joe Witt Junior. Uh, Joe Witt Junior. Mm-hmm. He was uh, pretty much second in command underneath Dan uh, Quinn. Yeah, I think they're they're saying that. He could be possibly in line to get that job. Yeah, if they do stay in house, I think it's him. Although there's also talk he might go with Quinn to Washington. That too. He could just follow him to Washington and I guess be his defensive coordinator. Um, can I can can I just get Mike Vrabel to be my de- de- defensive coordinator? Like, I, would, I would take that. I don't I'd, like like I 
like I am very after after going through McCarthy and then cycling through all these defensive coordinators and these offensive minded guys that are terrible coaches and coordinators. I just want a guy that was a really good head coach and had a really good defense as my defense coordinator. That's that's all because because the, the retreads are are just they they're, they're not treading again. You know <laughs> the retreads are not treading right now. There's there's a reason they were done treading in the first yeah. place. <laughs> yeah, I'll be interested to see which way the Cowboys go again. Just because Jerry come out, they're all in for next season. I want to see what that means, and especially having now to hire a defensive coordinator. East Coast Wings and Grill, folks, uh, if you're not going down to the Grizzlies game tonight, uh, not heading to the Tigers game tomorrow, you want to be able to watch all of the action, well, head over to East Coast Wings and Grill. They'll have all the action on for whether it's Grizzlies, whether it's Tigers, whether it's football, all the other college basketball, whatever games are on, they've always got them on at East Coast Wings and Grill. Located just off Highway 64 between Lowe's and Walmart. they got 60 flavors of wings to choose from, 24 draft beers on tap, all kinds of great food, great drink that you'll find. And if you want to get some wings, maybe for your big game party at home, you need to get those orders in. They can only do a limited number of those big orders. So you want to make sure you get your order in and you don't get left out. East Coast Wings and Grill. Get just off Highway 64 between Lowe's and Walmart. Kate Hyde Boulevard. Go watch all the action at East Coast Wings and Grill. When we come back, it's the Tiger Basketball Report with Matt Dillon here on Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11 here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Don't you just love it? Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, 828 here in the Family Leisure Studios. We roll along on this Groundhog Day morning. Sports 56 mornings here at Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Again, temperatures today supposed to get up into the upper 60s. That's right, upper 60s today. Although we won't see much sunshine, it will be warmer out there. Uh, going to be a good day tomorrow, decent day tomorrow. On Sunday, you've got some rain coming in and uh, going to cool it down a little bit. But that's okay. We're going to have a nice day today here in the Mid-South. And again, Puxatani Phil did not see his shadow today. So apparently we're going to get some early spring. Time now for the Tiger Basketball Report. It's time to talk Tiger Hoops. It's the Tiger Basketball Report with Tigers radio analyst Matt Dillon. The Tiger Basketball Report is brought to you by Central Barbecue, La Guadalupana, Car Corner on Mount Moriah, Dave & Buster's, Toledo's, Ben Swanger Glass, and Los Cabos on Summer Avenue. Now, here's Matt Dillon with Greg and Eli. He is Matt Dillon, Tiger radio analyst. And Matt, it is Groundhog Day, and it feels like Groundhog Day now every Friday that we have you on. It's the same thing of, <laughs> what in the hell is wrong with this team? Well, I, I guess they saw a few shadows, Eli. <laughs> I don't know, man, what, along the way here. But, uh, boy, have they switched from, gosh, six weeks ago until now. It's amazing transformation of this team right now. And uh, UAB was such a surprise to me, to be honest with you. You know, I thought they'd kind of 
slipped a little bit, but UAB was absolutely amazing uh, what happened down there. 97 points they gave up to that team, which really surprised me. And You could tell then things were kind of definitely out of sync. And then, of course, you go home, you think you're going to beat Rice. He's <laughs> sitting down there to, uh, next to last in the standings, and the start was just horrendous. No offensive continuity. They got behind started pressing a little bit, you know, themselves. And, you know, I, I thought, gosh, they got 22 points at halftime. I'm going, this, this is unbelievable because Bryce is not a great defensive team. And then he got it going a little bit, you know, but they were over 33, and they kept missing threes. And I knew as long as they didn't hit any like that, they were going to be in trouble because Rice was a, a patient team. They did a lot of things that, you know, that they had to do. They had the mindset of we're coming here to lose. You know, we're going to play and see what happens. And, you know, if we lose, fine. But they uh, they stuck with it. And they got down. And that, and that really showed me a lot, though. Eli, when they came back, and, and that kid hit those two threes. That's two of the biggest shots, I'm sure, I'm sure in his career. And it got it to, you know, ain't nothing run right there at the end. And, boy, you you could see the Tigers really tighten up when they took the lead again. So uh, just a lot of things going on right now on this team but uh, you know again this is february the you know first week of february uh you got to get it corrected you can you got to get it done pretty soon because you're running in a stretch now uh, and you cannot lose another game to a team in the net like this if you do it's gonna be a real disastrous situation but you have a, a couple of games obviously with florida atlantic one with smu one with north texas those are going to be big games, and I think, Eli, the, the urgency I'm trying to say to everybody and, and kind of get in your mind is we're going to go on a road trip, and we're staying out, and we're going to two places. That's North Texas and SMU yeah. on a road trip, and that could be a very telling situation on what happens uh, down the stretch of the season. Well, I mean, we, when we had you on last week, you talked about these next five games. You talk about, like, you want it's like these next five, you go undefeated here. They've lost the first two of them. I mean, it, again, at this point, it's so weird. The the Rice game, and you mentioned, like, it even, to me, is more alarming from a Tigers perspective that you came back and took the lead and still lost the game. You did. Because that, I was surprised. Yeah. Be like you know the Villanova game, for instance, you just got off to this horrendous start, and you were just you just never could catch up, no matter what. Right. Like th- right. if this would, if you'd have just never caught up, you say, man, we just boy that start killed us. We got off this horrendous start, and we just never could catch them. But to catch up with a terrible team on your home floor and take the lead with a few minutes left, and then still let them come back and beat you again, that's really bad. Uh, it is bad, and they had some defensive lapses. At the end, Eli, to be honest with you, you know, there was one that, you know, the big guy hadn't scored all night, you know, and they and they, they go for a steal, overplay, yeah. and they bounce the ball, and he goes in and gets a layup, and then the, the kid that probably the only kid that really would be consistent three-point shooter on that team, they let him get open twice. Uh, you knew they were going to try threes, uh, just didn't properly switch on some situations, and, and you got to give that young kid credit. Now, he had some tough shots, and they weren't easy. But he got open. His teammates got him open to get a look, and he nailed a couple of them. And, I, and you could see him tighten up, like I said a moment ago. They just got tight a little bit, and they rushed down and, and tried to do a couple of things, and then they had another turnover. And uh, and that's one thing that really 
is interesting. The turnovers were pretty equal, 22 to 21, but they made him in the critical times, it seems like. Tigers made a couple right at the end that really made a difference. So um, it was just one of those things, you know, that uh, if you don't get it together on the court and communicate and pass that basketball and really run your offense, it's going to be very difficult for this team to to really turn it around because uh, this is a this is an important stretch right now for this team, Eli. It really is. This is going to be interesting to see how they rebound from this. And again. Point guard play, uh, Quinterly struggled, you know, a little bit recently. Uh, he has, you know, really had a negative ratio handling the basketball. He scored okay, but he's not good and been good from three. Those things like that. You know, Jones has turned the ball over at crucial times. Had a couple at the end of that game. So all these things are like an ingredient. They've gone in there to make this thing where right now you're beginning to doubt yourself a little bit and. Uh, and you look over at the bench sometimes, I don't know, it just seems like you know, in a perception, I, I guess, for me that, you know, they won those tough games in, in, in a great fashion, you know, earlier in the year. And now you get into the league, you think, well, you know, we're in the league now and we can really go until, you know, the end of the year, basically, with Florida Atlantic. And that's, that didn't happen. And as we talked about and discussed on this show, they're the hunted now. And this is the reason why we talked about that, because these other teams, boy, they got them circles. Mm-hmm. Hey, they're on the schedule here. Hey, this team, look what they did. We got a chance to knock them off. And you got to be ready for that every time out. And some of these guys, I don't know if they're mentally in tune with it enough right now to do it. Uh, coaching, you can say it's coaching, but you know, you can tell players sometimes you want them to do things, and they don't do it. And that's part of it, too. you got to communicate on both sides and be together. I think they can do it if they, if they just put their minds to it uh, and determine who's the leader on this team. That's another thing, Eli. Who's the leader? Who's the guy that's going to really lead this team? Quinterly should be able to do it. He's got the experience. He's a, a point guard that has been uh, you know, around and played a lot of games during his career. And, you know, his slump is really hurt. And I, and I said it to you a couple times on the show, as he goes kind of, how this team's going to go is his play at point guard. Because when he's good, he really makes this team very good. And I think that's something, you know, for himself, you know, and every player has to ask themselves, dig down, am I doing everything to help this team? Because it's a, it's a team game. You have to have cohesion. You really do. And uh, they did it early in the year. You know, we've had some things happen, you know, from injuries. I think Mills – you have to throw that in the mix as well. It's been a very difficult thing to go through, and I really think you're seeing now his absence in crucial situations. I think has really been another thing that's kind of hurt this team as well. The you talk about Quinterly, and I'm, I'm still very perplexed about the whole thing with the starting lineup in this this Rice game. I, if if you're, I guess if you're trying to send Quinterly like a message, I'm not sure that sitting him for the first three minutes of the game and then putting him in and he plays more minutes than anybody in the game. <laughs> I'm not sure if the message is free. And if you are trying to send a message, you're not going to start Javon Quinterly. Jonathan Pierre's the guy? Like you're basically yeah. going without a point guard to start the game? Like I, I just, that one, I I have, I, I, I do you have an explanation? No, I really don't. I was surprised. To be honest with you, I mean, uh, when that when I looked up and saw he was starting, I'm going, who's going to be the point guard on, on this, you know, starting lineup? And it, it was really unusual to me, you know. And you put another guy over there, and 
you've got another backup point guard. I mean, they can play and young, but he wasn't in there. And I thought, well, you know, you got to move Walton over uh, or play Pierre. And, and over there, I'm going like, this is really a strange lineup. You put two big guys in there and uh, and then Jones. So I, it's just uh, it was a surprise. And I guess, you know, sometimes you got to try maybe as a coach, you go, I'm going to shake this thing up. I'm really going to try something drastic to see what kind of reaction it will get. And uh, obviously, they got behind early. You could tell the offense had no cohesion whatsoever. I mean, the cohesion was gone early, and they got down, and it, and that made it kind of set the, the pace of it a little bit in that first half. I, I'm telling you, Eli, I don't know if they're going to going to score 50 points the way they were going. I mean, it was uh, just no fire there. And uh, I don't know if it was a message to Quinterly or the team itself or whatever, but, you know, sometimes as a coach you do things like that. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. Uh, but um, – it, it was an unusual thing for Pierre to be there because he hadn't played very much really all season. <laughs> you stick him in the lineup there, and then he obviously didn't stay in very long at all. But still, the damage had been done early, kind of setting the tone of that thing. The Now, a lot of people have pointed out, and it, it, it is a factual thing, that really the struggle started soon as Naquan Tomlin because the Vanderbilt was his first game, and that yeah. was like you could look at it right. Like that's when they started. They had all these close games. Like that that game itself, you know, comes down to a shot by Vanderbilt to win the game. Right. They struggle. They've struggled basically in every game other than Wichita State since then. Do you think it is just a coincidence of that timing, or bringing a guy in the middle of the season? Do you think it had an effect on chemistry and and stuff? Yeah, I think it does a little bit, and I, and I think it's hard on him too, on both sides of it, because he's coming from another system. He's got to get in here and learn everything, and I think he, he pressed early. I think he really wanted to impress everybody because he, he's coming to a new situation. You know, he's probably played around some pretty good players at Kansas State. You know, Tang has a pretty good program right now and, and had been pretty good, obviously, in tournament play recently. I do think it disrupted a little bit, and then you had Brown's, situation status i think always in the back of your mind was you going to come back or not and then you got three big guys that are in there and dander just starting to play well mm-hmm. i mean let's be honest about it i mean he's giving a, i mean Tomlin really hasn't been a very muscular <laughs> bill guy to get in there and mix it up he's more of a perimeter player in a lot of ways and he can shoot the ball in the perimeter no question about it you know but malcolm gets in there and does the dirty work inside and you know, who do you play there? You, you, you go with a dirty work guy, or you, you put a guy that goes runs down the perimeter, like Rice's guy. Of course, he's a passer, obviously, but you go that way. And do you move Brown back in after he had been gone for such a long time? Is he in shape enough to play, or has he remembered the offense? Has he learned it again? There's there's a lot of things in the ingredient on that front line that really changed, I think, uh, during that time. And they kind of had settled into a rotation a little bit. And now you kind of change it up. So you know you got three guys in there, and they're going to be, you know, vying for minutes with each other. But Danridge, I'll tell you right now, he's got a hold on a starting position unless something crazy comes. He's playing pretty good basketball. He, he really is. And he looks like he really is in shape, maybe for the first time totally healthy. And he's got the attitude of he's going in there, and he's been physical, which was really happy to see for a lot of people because they wanted him to do well being from Memphis. Just uh, hopefully doesn't try any more reverse dunks on. Yeah, that was, that was not. A, I, I, <laughs> I, I, that reaction was hardly turn around. Look at us. 
He, he was just he was just stunned as we were, honestly. Uh, I, I can't imagine what some previous coaches would have said here <laughs> if, if he'd have done that. I, I won't mention any names, but yeah, that, I mean, uh, everybody, even the crowd was stunned. Yeah, I mean, it's just that it, just it was crazy. a stunning situation, Eli. It really was, and uh, I don't think you'll see that happen. Hopefully, it kind of reminding when Shaq Gooden was down at time down at Tulane, he did a thing very yeah. similar to yeah. that at the end of the game down there. But uh, the reaction of Coach Harley was priceless. He looked at us. <laughs> he, he's going shaking his head looking at us. Can you believe this? We're going, not really. <laughs> we were shaking our head looking at each other. But, uh, it, it was I, you know, I guess you get caught up in it and try to, you know, just get the thing going. And But, again, it, you just think about big plays. You know, I mean, if you go in and, and, and a game's on the line like that and you do that and miss a boy and, and cost a game, yeah, if that had been a situation where that would have happened, well, oh, that's really, really tough. So you you got to play. I mean, it, 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 I mean, it cost you a point. I mean, in the end, yeah. you only got one point out of the possession um, right. rather than two. All right, so um, Wichita State comes in. Now, this is the one I said earlier, Wichita State's got to be like, what the hell are we doing? Like, why we got killed by Memphis. Like, they're the only team in the conference that Memphis has been able to kill. They're got to be questioning themselves. Like, we lost, we got blown out by this team on our home floor. That's right. Everybody That's else is worries me. beating yeah, them and everything it. else. So, what, you know, that game, the Tigers went 19 of 30 from three-point range. Oh, they were just blitzing. You Probably not repeatable. So, what do they have to do against Wichita State? Well, they got to come in and play with themselves and don't try to hey, we're going to shoot 43s against this team again. I mean, I, they were on that night. Let's be honest about it. That, that, that was just one of those special nights that you have. During the broadcast, I kept saying, save some of these threes for later on. You're like a baseball team, you know, gets 40 hits in a game or something. And, but they didn't. You know, Wichita State, I mean, you know, how do you look at it as a, as a team? That's what worries me. Are you going to be ready to play? Hey, I know you've lost four in a row and everything else, but, oh, you know, we beat these guys 112 to 86. Uh, you know, human nature takes over at times because they blitzed them. I mean, it, and he, Paul Mills, and, and, and look, I'm sure he's a good basketball coach. He tried to run with the Tigers, and that was a mistake because they really wore and grinded them down after, you know, the first half. They, you could tell they were gassed almost at halftime when they came out, and, boy, they blitzed them quick, and it was over with. But now, you know, they – have lost again. You know, they get a nice win at home over SFU, and then they lose at Tulsa. So, again, this is a game that you should be able to win. Uh, but I think you got to play within yourself, you know, and you got to get that one position, you know, I think down. And, you know, is, he, is it Quinley going to be the guy, you know, starting from the first, maybe? Is Jalen Long, young, you got to go to him and say, hey, man, you're a backup point guard. There's going to be some responsibility on you as well. You got to get everybody in tune but if they don't this game could be a struggle uh it shouldn't be you know look at the net <laughs> if uh, net maybe is uh, something you can't go by anymore after what i've seen the last about three or four games but you know they got a real high net and uh i mean it's it's sitting there what 159 they got down to 148 i think it's like 159 or some 160 today somewhere in there so they got to come in and run their offense and not take maybe the first shot. You know, play sound defense, communicate, switch properly. Uh, you're going to see a lot of man-to-man defense. Probably they don't play much zone. They, they did a little bit up there. They're not really a zone team normally. So you should be able to run your offense, get some continuity. Uh, the front line should be able to take care of business as well. 
against this team. And for goodness sakes, do not turn the ball over 21 or 22 times at home. Now, that's some of the keys to this thing. But, but it all gets back. He'll have to be mentally ready to play. And we'll see not very long away. It's noon, so it's fast approaching tomorrow. Well, hopefully you'll get a, have, have a win to talk about. Um, and this losing streak will come to an end. But uh, we'll, we shall see. At this point, again, nothing will surprise us. That is for sure. He is Matt Dillon, Tigers basketball analyst. He joins us each and every Friday for the Tiger Basketball Report. Brought to you by Los Cabos, Ben Swinger Glass, Dave & Buster's, Central Barbecue, Coletta's, La Guadalapana, and Car Corner on Mount Mariah. Matt, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Eli, and have a great weekend. You too. Matt Dillon joining us for the Tiger Basketball Report. By the, much, by the way, I mentioned Central Barbecue, one of the sponsors. For the big game, they've got a great special for you from their Summer Avenue and downtown locations. Buy three full slabs of ribs and get a full slab for free. This is good for the uh, big game Sunday only. No limits while supplies last. Get Call the location that you want. You'll pick them up. Uh, that order. Uh, place your order ahead of time to pick up that day for the big game. Again, buy three slabs. Get one free from Central Barbecue. And don't forget, folks, the original Memphis beer is back. Goldcrest 51 is making its return, and Monday it'll be hitting the stores and the bars around town. So wherever you get your beer, ask for Goldcrest 51. The original Memphis beer is back starting Monday uh, right here in Memphis. Back to wrap up hour number two. Did you watch the Pro Bowl games last night? I did. It was fun. I, I still maintain more entertaining than the actual Pro Bowl used to be. I will, I will, I will die on that hill. More to come here. Sports fifty six ninety eight five FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports fifty six and ninety eight five FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. To reveal the full spectrum of its dazzling color. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back. Final segment here in hour number two. Eli and Zach with you. know Greg today. We're live in the Family Leisure Studios. Where family and fun come together. That is Family Leisure. We were talking about the Grizzlies and trade possibilities, and I mentioned you know the far like guys that teams might actually call because they want. And got a tweet from Fletch. He says, "Don't forget about Tillman. Uh, there are teams that would want him for the playoffs, and certainly he's a very cheap expiring contract who has shown the ability. You know, he he did some good things. And he points out what he you know, guarding LeBron and doing some things last year. I guess the question with Tillman is that where he is health wise because he keeps having to sit out these games." You know, last minute, last night he was a last minute scratch. Um, where he is health wise. The other thing about Xavier Tillman now, with the trade of Stephen Adams, is what are the Grizzlies doing at the center position next year? Like, do they want to possibly bring back Xavier Tillman as a cheap guy as a backup because he's not going to cost you a whole much money to resign? You know, this is a this is not a good you know a great draft by any means, but there are some bigs in this draft. So do you? Are you going to plan on drafting another big? Because if you've got Jaron, you got Brandon Clark, and you got Santi, they're still going to want another. There's going to be another big somewhere that they've got to get. Is it someone you want to try and sign? Is it somebody you want to try and trade for? Is it somebody you want to draft? I don't know. You know, 
So I don't know how this, what they're thinking is now at the center position, knowing now that you will not have Steven Adams for next season. Right now, um, uh, the free agent class at the center position, uh, you have Jonas, who's going to probably cost too yep. much. Uh, Nicholas Claxton, which has been a big name. He'll, he'll cost too much. He'll probably cost too much. Uh, Isaiah Hardenstein, he got $8 million a season. Which is a bargain, but he'll probably get. Yeah, he'll go. He'll probably get like ten to twelve. Yeah, um, if the Knicks at least. Want, if the Knicks won't pay that much for him. No, I'm saying like to get it, like you're you like he's not cheaper than Adams would have been. Right. You're, right. You're, that's the thing. Like that's why I think you might have to be. It, it's probably gonna have to be like a guy like Xavier Tillman. <laughs> uh, DeAndre uh, Andre Andre Drummond is a name that a lot of people like here. I would love. I think he fits what they need. Again, he would be. I mean, I don't know. What's he? Is he a veteran's minimum right now? Uh, no. What's he making? Uh, he uh, uh, was it three point three million? So is that the vet? That might. That's probably is for him. As long as he's been around, it's probably is his minimum. Okay. Yeah. So he's thirty. So he kind of fits still. If you could get somebody like him for like a veteran's minimum, I I would take him. I mean, and other than that, it's a bunch of. Role player, fringe bench guys that you know that you're not starting with. Now that now that those are the un uh, uh, unrestricted unrestricted. The the restricted names um, are probably just even worse. It's yeah, they're, they're not. There's, there's no way. They're gonna, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no way because again, they're not. They can't spend a bunch of money. That's why they got rid of Adams on it. Like unless you, unless they made some other moves and like cleared up a bunch of room, that now they could go back and go. Okay, we want to spend a little bit money on a center. Um, but that would re, yeah. you know getting rid of Kennard and Conchar and probably others. And that's and that's why I was like explaining it to one of my one of my friends yesterday because I because I because you know they they were saying like yeah we're going to free agency to get a center. It's like. More than likely, you're either going to draft them or you're going to trade yeah. for one. By the way, if you are looking for something to do this weekend, the Hustle hosts the G League Ignite Saturday night and Sunday afternoon. The Ignite have on this year's team. Now, they're terrible. They've only got one win. <laughs> but they do have four guys. If you look at mock drafts, they've got four guys that you can find in first rounds. They're not all consensus first rounds. Ron Holland is a first round guy. Like He's the stud. He is their big time stud. He's projected by some to be like your top three pick. Some have him top five. Some have him top ten. Others have him in the teens. He's a little bit all. All these guys are kind of a little bit older. He is one that certainly will be a first round pick. Matus um, Buzelis, another guy. Some have him top ten. A lot have him lottery. Others have him in late teens. Then you've got Tyler Smith. Some have him first round. Others have him early second round. And Izan Almanza is another one, late first, second round guy, depending on what mock draft you might look at. But they've got four guys, even though they're one in 15, they've got four guys. And again, Ron, I'm really interested to see Ron Holland. Like, it's not like last year when they had Scoot Henderson coming in. You're like, dude, this guy's going to be the number two overall pick in all likelihood. <laughs> you know, he's going to be top three, but. But Ron Holland's supposed to be really good, and he's averaging like twenty a game for them. Um, and the Bazellus kid, they there's a lot of people that really like his potential. They also have another kid, Dink Pate, who is a 17 year old, so he's not going to be eligible for this year's draft. He's going to do two years with the Ignite, like Scoot Henderson did. 
He's not even playing a whole lot. He's expected to be their stud next year. He's like a six seven point guard, who actually his favorite player, the guy he models his game after, he says is Penny Hardaway. But he's like mm. a six seven point guard from Texas. He's not even playing a ton for them. He's supposed to be their stud guy next year. He's doing the Scoot Henderson two year deal uh, with the Ignite to get ready for the draft. But they'll be down at the Lander Center. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, and then Sunday afternoon, it's a 3 o'clock game uh, for the Hustle and the Ignite. And if you come tomorrow night, you can bring your dog. Hey, there you go. It's Hustle and Hounds night tomorrow night for the Hustle. So I always, always love when the people bring the dogs to the games. A lot of woofing and barking. That's right. It's it's always, always a lot of fun down there <laughs> for that one. Hour number three coming up. We'll kick it off with Brandon Lang talking, uh, recapping the, the AFC NFC championship games and starting to look ahead, getting his early thoughts on the Super Bowl, including maybe some of the prop bets he might be looking at. We've got Sean Merriman coming up in hour number three. We'll talk about his lights out fighting, but also talk NFL with him. What's his thoughts as a Chargers guy about Jim Harbaugh Ball, getting that coaching job there and uh, more with Sean Merriman coming up. Hour number three coming your way. This hour of the program has been brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Hour three comes your way next. Sports 56 mornings here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.